Well, Merry Christmas, friends. It is great to be with you. My name's Ethan. I'm so glad you're here. If you're a guest, welcome. If you're worshiping online, I see you. I am with you. It is so good to worship together. I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. I confess I am having a great Christmas. My wife and I became empty nesters this year, and both of my boys came home from college, so we were excited about that, and neither of them got kicked out, so we were excited about that. Uh, my brother is coming to visit. He's actually driving through Virginia today, so we'll get to see him tonight. I can't wait to see my brother. I got my Christmas lights up early this year before the weather turned cold. That's always wonderful. So I'm just having a great Christmas. I hope you are too. Uh, we're having a great Christmas here at First Christian. Uh, some they've already mentioned we've been doing this fun thing called Do You Hear What I Hear, where we've just sort of been slowing down to pay attention to Christmas carols and, and just discover what 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 messages they have for us. And I tell you, it has been remarkable. It has been so refreshing to my spirit uh, because the message of these songs is so wonderful and inspiring and challenging and hopeful. Honestly, it has me sort of asking this question that I acknowledge is kind of a silly question, but it just has just been in my head all month, which is why do I not pay attention to these more often? Like if the process of paying attention has been so helpful, why am I not all the time paying attention to Christmas carols every year when they're everywhere. Well, I guess that actually could be the reason, couldn't it? That, that they're sort of everywhere, right? You know, you do that. When a sound is kind of everywhere, you eventually just tune it out, right? It could be that we don't pay attention to Christmas carols because we're listening to something else. That happens too, you know. People listen to lots of different things. You know, some people... Listen to the wrong things, you know, you know people, they get listening to stuff and they hear the wrong voices and it can really, it can hurt them, it can harm them. Maybe they listen to a cruel family member and they just get that voice in their head. And I suppose if that could happen to somebody else, that means it could happen to us. So we, we do have to be careful about what we listen to. It could be, though, that the reason we don't hear what Christmas carols have for us is because we're doing that thing where you hear something, but you don't really hear it. You know, you hear the sounds, but you don't hear the meaning. This is like how children listen to their parents, right? You hear the sounds of what your mother says. You just don't hear what they say, right? Or, or how husbands sometimes listen to wives or how wives sometimes listen to husbands, right? I, I talked a few weeks ago about how this is a dynamic in my own marriage. Uh, sometimes my wife will be talking to me and I will hear the sounds that she is making, but I'll be like, you know, reading a book or watching TV or on my phone. And though I hear the sounds, uh, you know, at some point she'll say, Ethan, do you hear me? And I will very foolishly say, yes. And then she has this follow-up that catches me off guard every time. She says, great, then what did I say? And it's at that moment I discover that I have no idea and I search my subconscious to try to put the syllables all back together and, and eventually I come up with my best guess of what she said and in 27 years of marriage, I have never been right, not once. I mean, you would think this by the law of averages. I would eventually say, you said this and she'd be like, that's exactly what I, no, never, never. That could happen with Christmas carols, I think, you know, that you hear them, but don't really hear what they actually say. Like, I've discovered many people don't even know about the, the common Christmas carol about Olive, the super mean reindeer. 
I've just been startled by this. Some people don't even know this Christmas carol, and yet you've heard it hundreds of times. You just didn't pay attention. It's the one that goes, Olive, the other reindeer, who used to laugh and call him names. And, and you've been singing this carol and never even paid attention to the words. It's about this mean reindeer named Olive. But here's the thing I'm thinking. What if that could happen in a more serious way? Like more serious than a kid not listening to their parents, more serious than a husband not listening to their wife. What if God was still trying to speak to you and you somehow heard the sounds, but you didn't hear what God was trying to say? What if God still, in the present moment, wanted to speak through God's scripture, speak through prayer, speak even through these Christmas carols? And we heard the words, and we heard the music, but we didn't hear it. Because that's, that's what I think is happening. I think even today, there's a message for us in the carols of Christmas. And we hear the sounds, but we don't hear the message. And so I've been, I've been listening this last month. I've been listening to what people hear when they hear a Christmas carol. And I have a theory about why we don't hear all that we could hear. Here's my theory. My theory is this, that we don't hear what we could hear because what we do hear, what we can hear, all we can hear is what we hear about the past. That's my theory. We don't hear all that we could hear because when we do hear what we can hear, all that we hear is a message about the past. And, and, and if you're hearing that, that makes sense to me because there is a lot in Christmas carols about the past, right? Let's just think together. What are some of the events from the past that we hear about in Christmas carols? Kids, help me out. Any of you know what's a big event in the past that we hear about in Christmas carols? It's like the main thing of Christmas, a thing that happened. If somebody was born in the past, we hear about it in a Christmas carol. Does anybody know who was born in the past that we hear about in Christmas? Carols. Anybody know? I know. None of you know. Well, I'm glad you're here today. If none of you know, you are in the right spot because you're about. Oh, wait, you seem to know. Who? What? 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 So we know. You know what? The birth of Jesus. Magnificent. Give her a big round of applause, folks. One of you knew what we remember at Christmas. The rest of you are going to really enjoy this sermon. You're going to be so amazed. You're going to be surprised constantly throughout the message. Okay. Yeah, we remember the birth of Jesus. And if I, and if I were to draw, I'm about to draw a picture of this. And I need to give a little public service announcement. I am an amazing artist. It could happen that some of you are going to be so distracted by the quality of the art that's about to go up here, you won't pay attention to the rest of the message. Please don't do that. Resist that temptation, okay? So yes, when you sing a Christmas carol, it remembers the birth of Jesus, right? And we usually do that through a manger scene, which would sort of look something like this. And what would we need in our manger scene? Well, we definitely, we'd need a manger, right? right? And we need a baby Jesus. There, that's what a baby Jesus looks like. There you go. Uh, good. Well, what else, what else do we need in our manger scene? Somebody help me out. What else do we need? Yeah, yeah. Mary and Joseph, absolutely. We need Mary and Joseph. All right, good. There's Mary. There's Joseph. Absolutely. Somebody else shout it out. What do we need in our manger scene? Yeah. Shepherds. I don't know how to draw a shepherd. Guess again. What else do we need in our manger scene? Wise men. Can't draw a wise men either. What else? Sheep. 
I can draw a sheep. Thank you for saying sheep. I practiced on this like for two weeks. There you go. Sheep, absolutely. There's one more thing I can draw in the manger scene. The star, somebody knew it. That's what I can draw. This one, okay, oh shoot, I'm gonna mess it up. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, There's no fairy in the manger scene, but good guess. Okay, all right, so yeah, awesome. This, this is the history that we remember when we sing Christmas carols. But every once in a while, if you're really listening, there'll be a Christmas carol that even remembers things farther back than that. There'll be some Christmas carols tell us about the prophets. The prophets who hundreds of years prior talked about that God would send a savior. They talked about how God would send a king who would rescue God's people and bring salvation. That God would show up. And again, I don't know how to draw a prophet, but but we'll make our prophet look a lot like Joseph. There we go. And since prophets talked, there we go. And the prophet said that God is coming. This is what the prophet said. And, and some of the Christmas carols remember this history. And, and when the prophet said it, here's the thing. They made these promises about what was God was going to do. But then the people had to wait. And so we'll draw a little clock to help us remember that the people had to wait for hundreds of years. And a very few Christmas carols, a very few, they even remember history earlier than that. A very few Christmas carols remember a guy named Abraham. And I don't know how to draw Abraham either. And so we're just gonna make him look just like Joseph and the prophet. Um, There you go, but we'll label him Abe. So we know that he's Abraham, that's Abraham. And some of the Christmas carols remember that way back, way back, God said to Abraham, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and bless your family and make you a great nation. And that through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. That's, that's a globe in case you can't tell. That's a globe. Okay. And this, this is, is what we talk about at Christmas. This is the news that we celebrate here in this picture. We celebrate the news that, that what the prophets promised came true in Jesus. Jesus. His name was Emmanuel. God did come. God is with us. His name was Messiah. He was the promised Savior. His name was Jesus. God, God did, did save us. And in Jesus, the blessing that was first to Abraham is now in Jesus for all people. And all of this history is in, it it lies behind every Christmas carol that we sing. The history, right, that you see right there is behind these Christmas carols. But here's the thing. If that's all you hear, then you're not hearing everything that I'm hearing. And, And you're not hearing everything that's in the carols. Because we need to hear more than about the past. We need to hear that Christmas carols are also about the future, which is why I love the song that we're giving our attention to today. Like I said, every week we've kind of listened really carefully to one Christmas carol, and we're going to do that today. It's one of my very favorites. It's called Joy to the World, and we're going to listen to it real carefully together. And the best way I know to listen to it is to sing it. So if you're brave, sing along with me. Uh, You're going to be impressed because I sing even better than I draw. So 
watch out, all right? Let's sing it together. Sing real loud to help me out so I don't embarrass myself. It goes like this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Way to go. Give yourself a big round of applause. That was amazing. I love this song. I love this song. It's one of my favorite Christmas carols. In fact, it's one of the most popular Christmas carols every year. The people who tread like the most played Christmas carol in churches all over the country. But can I tell you my favorite thing about this Christmas carol? It was never intended to be a Christmas carol. It was not written about Christmas. It was written by Isaac Watts. He was writing a series of poems based on the Old Testament book of Psalms. One poem for every Psalm. And this is the poem that he wrote off Psalm 98. And then when it was turned into a song, it was not meant to be a Christmas carol. It was turned into a song by this dude. That's what he did for a living. He found poems. He wrote tunes to go with them. And he published them and made money. And he happened to publish a collection of these right before Christmas. And people were like, we need some new music for Christmas. They've been doing that for hundreds of years. We need something new, not all this old stuff. And so they picked this one like, eh, close enough. Let's sing it. And people loved it. And that's how it became a Christmas carol. It's a song about worship and the promises of God and the reliability of God. It's a song about the past, but you're going to see it's just also a song about the future. And that's because it's based off Psalm 98, which I want to look at with you. Um, if you want to see it on a paper Bible, there are Bibles stuck in the chairs in front of you. You can reach in and grab one. If you've got a phone with you, you just Google Psalm 98, the first link, boom. It's going to be this psalm. It'll be up on the screen as well. And what you're going to discover is that Psalm 98, like every Christmas carol, looks back to the past, to God's salvation, but then it turns and looks forward. Let's take a look at Psalm 98. Read along with me. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known, has revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love, his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blasts of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Now, I know there's no such thing as a Christmas psalm, right? Because it was written before Christmas and everything. But doesn't that psalm just make you want to say, Merry Christmas? Doesn't it feel like it's describing what God did at Christmas? Because God has done marvelous things. That's what this drawing is about, is all the marvelous things God did. A virgin, a virgin gives birth, angels sing, shepherds hear the news, wise men worship. Marvelous things. And God has worked salvation. That's what they say. See, before Jesus, God promised salvation. But in Jesus, God does the work of salvation. That's Jesus' name. It means God saves. He comes as the Messiah to rule in righteousness, to die on a cross. He accomplishes, he works out the salvation that God promised. Also, in Christmas, 
God reveals his righteousness to all the nations. He makes his salvation known. This is why we call Jesus Emmanuel. It means God's with us. See, what the prophets promised now is true in Jesus, that now salvation is for everyone. The Gospel of John says that Jesus makes plain the love of the Father. Jesus reveals the righteousness of God. And in Christmas, God keeps his promises. God remembers his love, just what the psalmist said. God remembers his love. He remembers what he promised to the prophets, and he does it all through Jesus. He even remembers what he said to Abraham, that I'm going to bless you and through you bless all nations, and he does it through Jesus. All the ends of the earth have now seen the salvation of our God. This is a psalm. It, it basically, it just, it's just telling what God did at Christmas. And then what do we do? Well, we all sing, right? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Everybody sing, harps and, and trumpets and everything. But then the psalm takes a turn. It turns toward the future. Let, let's keep reading. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Songs of music, make music to the harp, harp and loud of singing, trumpets, ram's horns. Shout for joy before the Lord, the king. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing for joy. And here's the turn to the future. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. You can tell that we're not talking about the past anymore. We're now talking about the future. The Lord will come. The Lord will judge with righteousness and equity. And, and I know that for a lot of you, the very thought of that is sort of an intimidating thought, that God's going to judge with righteousness and equity. And you may be even like, why are you even bothering to bring that up on Christmas? That's sort of a downer on Christmas. But here's what I'm going to tell you. This is actually wonderfully good news. And I want you to know why this is such good news. This notion that God will judge with righteousness and equity, here's the first thing it means. It means that God will accomplish justice. We all look at a world that is filled with injustice and cruelty, and we wish somebody would set things right. And the, God's, the Bible says God will do that. The oppressed will go free. The hungry will be filled, the poor be made rich, the weak be made strong, the weary receive rest. God will accomplish justice. Secondly, I want you to know that even personally, that is good news. And I, maybe I'll just explain it with my own testimony and this will help you understand. When I look out on all of history and all of creation, the only thing I want to be judged by is by the living God. I don't want to be judged by my peers. My peers are fickle. They love me one day and abandon me the next. I don't want to be judged by my enemies. My enemies are cruel. They seek my destruction. They want to watch me fail. I don't want to be judged by the world. The world changes its mind in every generation. The heroes of one generation are the villains of the next. To be judged by the world is to be guaranteed condemned. And you might think you'll get out of it, but you'll be your own judge. You know, you'll be the judge of yourself. And I don't know about you, but for me, that wouldn't help much either. Because I'll just tell you, I don't even live up to my own standards. I'm not the husband I want to be. I'm not the father I want to be. I'm not the preacher I want to be. I'm not the man I want to be. I'm not the person I want to be. 
If I were the judge of the universe, the first person that would be condemned under my judgment is me. There is only one judge I know in the whole universe that I can safely stand before. And that is a God so merciful and loving that he sent his only son that all who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That all who trust in him, their sins are washed clean. They are declared not guilty and they are restored to righteousness by the power of Jesus Christ. It's the only judge I know I can stand before. This is good news. This is good news. And Psalm 98 points us to it. The Lord will accomplish justice. And so don't be surprised if this Christmas carol, based off Psalm 98, all also takes a turn to the future. Let's listen to a couple more verses of Joy to the World. Verses you may not know quite as well, but if you do know them, you sing along with me. Ready? No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Can you hear that? We are singing about the future. Now, we probably need some more drawings, don't you think? Uh, What was it? No more let sin and sorrows grow. I don't know exactly how to draw that, but maybe it looks like this. It looks like a vine that has two big leaves, like this and like that. And one of these leaves is called sin. And one of these leaves is called sorrow. And we live in a world where they grow. Everybody I know, my own life, sin keeps growing. And all around me and all around you, sorrow keeps growing. And this says there's going to be a future where sin and sorrow don't grow anymore. No more. And no thorns in the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Okay, what would that look like? Maybe Maybe a river. Maybe a river comes to make blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far, that curse, that curse line, that's a, that's a, that's a memory. That, that's a reference to the very first promise God makes. You see, the Bible teaches that the world itself is under a curse because of human sinfulness and rebellion. That the world is just a little bit broken. The world is just a little bit shattered. Every place you've ever been isn't as pretty as it was meant to be. Every person you ever met isn't as, as alive as they were meant to be. Everything's just a little bit broken. And, 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 and this song points us to the promise that, that the blessing that, that went to Abraham and will one day be for the whole world is going to flow like a river and just wash the curse off the face of the earth. No more he comes to make his blessings flow. What about the next verse? Do you know the last verse? Again, it's not as common as the first, but maybe you know this one. He rules the world with truth and grace. Oh, oh, listen to that. He rules the world. Wouldn't it be great to know that someone ruled the world not with cruelty and power, but with truth and grace? I'm not soup. Maybe we can draw a throne. If you're thinking to yourself, Ethan, that looks just like a chair. That's because I only know how to draw a chair, so just back off me, okay? But that's a throne. That's a throne. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the 
glories of his righteousness. This word prove here, in this case, it means to demonstrate something. That the nations will demonstrate the glory of the righteousness of God. Think how different a world that would be. What do the nations of the world demonstrate now? The, the pettiness of humanity, the cruelty of tyrants, the greed of the powerful. But one day, the nations will be healed and they will demonstrate the glory of the righteousness of God. I totally don't know how to draw that, but since I already drew a globe, we'll draw a map this time. These will be the nations of the world. And look how they all demonstrate the glory of God. Now, and what will we all see? Wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. This is the future to which the Christmas carols point. If you could just sort of hear what I hear. It reminds me of Isaiah 25. Isaiah was one of these prophets who talked about the Savior who would come. But he talked a lot. I could talk about how he would come and be born and, be, and he'd die on a cross and be sacrificed for our sins. But he also looked past to the future he looked past. He says this in Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. What an interesting image that is. He pictures like somebody's put a giant blanket over the entire earth. Except if you know what that word shroud means, he tells us what that blanket is for. It was the kind of blanket that they put over a dead body so that you wouldn't have to look at the corpse. And he says, we won't need that blanket ever again. And why won't we need that blanket? Well, because he will swallow up death forever, the next verse says. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He'll remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And in that day, here's what they're going to say. I want to be able to say this on that day. Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And this moment of rejoicing, when the people who trusted in God discover that God has been faithful to their trust and God has rescued God trusting people, this moment of rejoicing, that's what joy to the world is about. So absolutely, when you hear a Christmas carol, you are hearing about the past, absolutely. And you are hearing about the future. And I guess here's the conclusion that leads me to. If in Christmas carols we hear about the past and we hear about the future, then certainly we are hearing something about the present. Not the presents, kids, that's tomorrow. Wait, gotta wait for that. Not the presents, the present, right now. Go back with me to some of those verses we sang earlier in the service. Ready? Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy 
Now, I don't want to go all grammar teacher on you, but those verbs, those are present tense verbs. The Savior reigns today. Jesus is king today. Let everyone worship him today. Creation, even though creation is under a curse and the blessing has not yet flowed to wash the curse away, even today, creation makes known the glory of God. Let's sing the next verse. This is the one you know the best. Joy to the world, the Lord is, that's present come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Again, see the grammar. The Lord is come. The Messiah, the promised king, is now here. Let earth receive her king. But it's not just generically that we're called to receive the king. It's every one of us, isn't it? Do you see that? Let every heart prepare him room. I guess what I'm saying is if you heard what I heard, you'd hear a memory of the past. You'd hear hope for the future, and you would hear a challenge to your present moment. Prepare him room. Receive your king. The Lord is present. All the fullness of time, past and future and present, are in every Christmas carol. Just as they are in every worship service. We mentioned earlier that we were going to share the meal of communion together. We share communion in every worship service here. And the fullness of time is also present in the meal of communion. I hope you uh, got uh, the cups on the way in. If you didn't, there are going to be some servers moving through the room. Just kind of give them a little wave. They'd be happy to give you what you need. They want to take care of you. So if you need something, just kind of wave at them. But I want you to see that the fullness of time is present. Jesus says that um, this cup looks back to my death. He says, as often as you eat this cup and I mean, eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare my death. You declare what I have done, what has happened. He also says, though, that this meal looks forward. He says, I will not eat it again until I eat it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This meal looks forward. To that feast, it's the same feast Isaiah talked about, remember? The feast up on the mountain with the rich food, the aged wine, the best of meats. This meal looks forward to that meal. Maybe today I want you to focus on the fact that this meal also calls us to pay attention to the present. It calls us to pay attention to your present relationship with Christ. This moment right now is for every single one of us. If you're a follower of Christ, this moment is for you to share in the meal, to remember his death, to anticipate his return, and to pledge your life to him as king. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, though, this moment is also for you. It's a moment for you to listen. Listen to God. Listen to a Christmas carol. Listen to God's faithfulness in the past to keep his promises. 
listen to God's promises for the future to return and bless those who have trusted in him. And listen to the invitation that is yours right now. It's there in the carol. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. You could do that right now in this moment. Let's meet God together in the meal of communion. Please pray with me. God, as we share this meal, we do remember your salvation through your son Jesus who died for our sake. We do put our hope in the future he promises to return and make glorious your creation that is now under a curse. And we do in the present moment hear you call us to put our trust in you, to obey you as king. May by the power of your Holy Spirit we do that in this moment. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh
Do you hear what I hear? I hear God reminding me through the carols of Christmas of all that God has done to keep generations of promises in his son, Jesus. I hear God reminding me of all he has yet to do to fulfill that first promise to bless all nations, to turn back the curse to invite you to the feast. And I hear in the carols of Christmas real clarity on what I need to do. I guess I don't know if you hear what I hear, but what I hear is that I need to receive him as king and obey him as such to anchor my trust in the salvation of God in the person of Jesus until I share in the feast that he is preparing for me. And in these candles, I see the reminder that light makes the most sense in the darkness. And Jesus makes the most sense in a world like ours. It's the way Jesus works. Jesus is the promise of salvation in a world that needs rescue. Jesus is the promise of hope in a world that is hopeless. Jesus is light in a world that is dark. As a reminder of that, we're going to close our service by letting the light of God's love, the Christ candle, just move throughout the whole room. As the light moves through the room, I just want you to remember all God has done, all God promises to do, and what God's calling you to do in this present moment. I'll light my candle, and then the light will be passed through the room. And when it comes to you, maybe it could be for you a reminder that the love of God through Jesus Christ is for you. Let's receive the light and worship together now. Let's stand together as we sing.
beautiful thing I see all year. I think about how dark this room would be without the light. But because of the light, we can see. And you're beautiful. And that's sort of how Jesus works. He's the light by which we see, and he makes us beautiful. Maybe today you realize you need to take a step toward Jesus, that, that that first words of the carol, let earth receive her king, every heart prepare her room, that's, that's your challenge today. Don't lose that conviction. Come back in the new year. 
Find out more about Jesus. Come meet me after the service. I'll pray with you. Stop by our connection kiosk. If you're a guest, we have a gift for you. We'd love for you to stop by at the bottom of the stairs on your way out. Maybe you know somebody who needs to hear all the stuff we talked about today. You know, call them. they got 40 minutes. Tell them to put on a coat and get here. Next service is at 5 o'clock. Tell them to get here. And I hope that we'll all be back in January. We're going to talk about prayer in January. I think it's going to be a really uh, meaningful way for you to start the year with a deeper connection to God. I hope you'll be back for that. Right now, I'm just going to pray a blessing over you, and then we're going to blow out our candles, and then one more time, we're going to sing Joy to the World. Let me pray for you. God, by your Spirit, may you bless these people who have gathered here. Bless us with an extra measure of confidence in the work you have done in the past, an extra measure of hope in the promises you have made for our future, and an extra measure of trust right now in the present that our King has come, that he reigns, that we would open our hearts to give him room. By your Spirit, accomplish these things in your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a King. Let every heart repair Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. You're dismissed. Merry Christmas.